Hey, Journey, welcome back. One of the things that I love is listening to someone share their, their story of putting their faith in Jesus. It's so personal to them, yet there's something in us that, that can relate to them and maybe even something in us that wants to experience what they're experiencing. What they're sharing is how faith became personal to them. They're sharing how Jesus has intersected their life in a personal way. And this is the very thing that we're talking about in this series, It's Personal. Last week, we started our talk, and essentially, here's what we said. Things that are personal matter, or things that that are personal matter, matter more. Personal matters matter more. And when things that that are personal to us, we kind of lose interest in, in, uh, in distancing ourselves from those things. And we said, when it comes to faith, we must personalize or perish. That if we don't personalize our faith, our faith will just kind of fizzle out and fade away. It'll perish. Today, I want to talk about something that that is somewhat polarizing in our faith journey. It it can really kind of make or break our relationship with God. It can bring us really, really close and make it it very personal to us, or it can kind kind of make it feel really, really distant and totally impersonal. What I want to talk about today is the idea of prayer. And I imagine that all of us in here, we probably can't remember the first time we prayed, but you probably do remember some sort of prayer that you memorized early on in life. One of those prayers that maybe your family prayed or you prayed in church when you were growing up. You have those prayers. We have those prayers in our family. Since the girls were young, we would teach them to pray. And now we find them getting into this rut of the same kind of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, bless our bodies because, you know, we're not praying for the food to bless our bodies. We're just praying for our bodies. Give us a great day. Bless our family. Bless our friends and our church. You should hear them pray. It's so much cuter than me. You may have memorized another prayer. Maybe it went something like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. You remember how this one goes? I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I remember teaching that to my oldest daughter, Isabella. And I thought, okay, there's probably something better than, than to be thinking about as a three-year-old the potential of dying in the middle of the night. So, so there was that one. And there's, uh, there's another one. You know, God is great. God is good. Let, uh, let us thank him for this food. You see, Prayer can be a little bit of, of a curious thing, can it? For starters, it's talking to an invisible God. And some of us learned about prayer when we were very, very young, and we kind of still had imaginary friends. And, <clears throat> but we were taught at some point that you shouldn't have imaginary friends, you shouldn't talk to invisible people, um, and that kind of our life kind of goes away. But then we still have this element of, but you should pray, and, and prayer is a good thing. But remember, you're praying to an invisible God. And we wonder if God hears us, and then we look and we see, you know, the different prayers that God chooses to answer versus the ones that he kind of leaves unanswered. And it can leave us asking or maybe even wondering, okay, how does this whole prayer thing work? In our own life, we try to figure it out. We try to use the right words, the right approach, the the right level of reverence, the right amount of formality. And then we end up doing all these things to try to get God to do what we want him to do. And essentially, we end up treating God like some kind of cosmic vending machine in the sky that, hey, if if I punch in the right code and I get all the numbers correct, then I'll be able to get exactly what I want out of this. And for some of you, this is why you keep praying, right? You asked God for something, you prayed about something sincerely and genuinely, and it didn't come through. And so he just said, hey, prayer doesn't work. So you, you quit praying. And then for others, this is actually the same reason why you keep praying. It's because you didn't get something you wanted. So it keeps you engaged, right? You just keep, you keep going and going. You're like that energizer buddy. You're going to keep asking and asking and asking. We're actually not that far off. We're, we're really all in the same boat. And if you think about it, neither is a really good option, is it? If you quit praying because you didn't get what you wanted, you end up disconnecting from your relationship with God. And if you keep praying, the odds are you're going to just continue to be discouraged because you know, none of us are getting what we want all the time anyway, and we shouldn't. 
So you're gonna start adding in some new words and some new ways and put in a little bit more effort, but at the end, you're ultimately just gonna feel discouraged. Maybe we've gotten it all wrong. Maybe prayer was never intended to be this way. Maybe there's something more than just, you know, hey, bless me, guide me, keep me, and give me. Or, or maybe you're right. Or maybe we're just partly right. There's only this, this small corner of what God meant for us in prayer that we're kind of experiencing. But, but there's so much more to this, this conversation with God. This is something that Jesus talked about throughout his entire life. But there's one instance in particular where Jesus gets really, really clear on what prayer is. You may have heard this passage before, but whether or not you've heard it before, I I want us to look at it again today together. Jesus says this, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. They want to make prayer this kind of public spectacle. Jesus says, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. They wanted to be seen and they were seen. And that's all they're going to get out of their prayer. He continues and he says this, "But, but when you pray, Go into the room, close the door by yourself, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And this is Jesus' emphasis throughout this passage. You'll see the the, uh, ultimate importance of of relationship here. That we're not praying to some far-off being, some deity in the sky. No, when we pray, we're praying to our Father. That's where we should begin, right? Praying by, by praying to our Heavenly Father who is unseen. And I'm so glad Jesus threw that in. It's like, hey, God's not seen. He's invisible. But this is why I think Jesus says to go into your room and close the door because location matters. You may think to yourself, but Jim, can't we pray to God anywhere? I thought we could pray wherever we are. Yeah, I think we can and I think we should. We should always be praying. We should be praying in every area of life. But an intentional time and an intentional location matters. It means more because there is a relationship happening. That's why when you go in and you close the door, you're saying, Heavenly Father, I believe that you are in this room with me, that I'm not alone. When I close this door, I'm about to have a conversation with my heavenly father. And although I can't see him, he is in this room with me. For some of you, this may be one of your, this may be like the one takeaway for you, just to simply close the door that you've been kind of going through life and and you pray here and you pray there, you know, you're driving down the road in traffic or maybe God forbid you're putting makeup on while you're driving in the morning. You know, you you don't have time when when you're, you're specifically pausing and going, you know what, I'm going to spend some time with my father in heaven. To go in the room, you got to close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And then he continues. Then your father, who is unseen, he sees what is done in secret and will reward you. And this can sound a little bit like if I just go and pray, God will give you whatever you ask for. He'll bless you. But this word, word reward here, it actually means a return or to respond. So that when you pray, when you go to your heavenly father, he responds to us. When we move towards him, He moved towards us, and our reward is actually our relationship with Him. Jesus continues, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. I'm sure you've met somebody like this, right? Maybe there's that specific person in your small group or your family. You know what the one I'm talking about? Like when they begin praying, it's like, buckle up, we're going to be here for a while. Jesus is saying, look, the number of words don't matter. Don't be like them. Why? For your Father knows what you need even before you ask Him. That's the relationship. Your Father knows what you need. He knows everything you need even before you ask Him. And if you hear that and you begin to think think to yourself, but Jim, if God knows what I want or, or what I need before I ask Him, then what's the purpose of praying? Is there any reason to pray at all if God really knows what we need? If God knows, already knows what I'm gonna say and you know, what's the point of praying? If you're thinking that, 
you are much closer to understanding prayer the way Jesus taught it than you may have thought. This, this then is how you should pray. And then he shares with us this prayer again. It, it may be really, really familiar to you. You may have heard it a hundred times growing up, depending on your church tradition. Or you may have heard it before, for, or you may be hearing it rather, for the very first time today. But wherever you are, let's lean in and let's listen to Jesus' words again. Maybe we've gotten prayer wrong this entire time. Maybe these words from Jesus 2,000 years ago can help us experience what he wants us to experience in prayer today. Our Father. Again, there's the relationship piece. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And, and hallowed be your name simply means nothing compares to you. You are a set-apart God. The psalmist in the Old Testament says it this way. Whom, whom have I in heaven but you? And, and on earth, nothing I desire besides you. That's the same heartbeat. Hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Jesus is saying your kingdom, your kingdom, your economy, the way things work in your eyes, the way that you want things to work here, your upside down kingdom. We want your kingdom to come here, your will to be done here. God, what is it that, that you want? What is, it, what is your will for me? And then notice that so far there's been nothing about me, right? There's nothing about us. And think about the different ways that we kind of come to God in prayer, right? Bless me, keep me, give me, oh, and thank you, God, for today. But yeah, can, can we get back to me? Can you, can you give me this? Can you provide this? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And we think, finally, there it is, right? There's the first request. Give us our daily bread. The attention is finally turned to us. But this is actually more a statement of God's provision and our dependence on him than it actually is a request. It's not like, hey, God, we need bread. Just give me some bread. It's, no, God, I'm dependent on you today, for, for, for not just for my food, but for, for life. Give us today our daily bread. It's interesting that Jesus would use the word daily here because that's not really what we want, is it? We don't want to have to go to God in prayer and ask for daily bread. We want, we want the pantry to be full, don't we? We, we, want, we want to know that we can go to the pantry, you know, on day five and day six and day seven, and there's still bread there. The problem is when we do that, we start trusting in the pantry uh, and not in God. My security shifts, my trust shifts, and God wants our trust because, again, it's about a relationship with him. So this is not just a request. This isn't give me, give me, give me. This is a declaration of dependence. God, I am dependent on you for everything I need today. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, again, this looks like a request, but it's not. It's another declaration of God's perspective on our life. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We pray that. Well, then we need to actually live out the kingdom values like forgiveness. The apostle Paul throughout his writings in the New Testament uses this phrase, to forgive as the Lord forgave you. God has offered forgiveness to you. So, so how can you withhold forgiveness from someone else? And so in this prayer, when Jesus is teaching us, hey, forgive our debts or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's, it's, it, another way you may have heard it is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. When we pray that, it's actually an examination. It's not a request. It, it's a, hey, God, would you forgive me? Would you examine me? Would you find anything in me where I haven't forgiven someone else? God, do I have bitterness in my heart towards, towards other people? Am I, am I holding a, gr a grudge against someone else in my life? And when we pray this, when we pray the way that Jesus taught us, we cannot ask God for forgiveness for the things that we've done if we're holding on to a grudge or holding on to bitterness towards someone else because God can't forgive us. We've got to be willing to forgive first and then God can forgive us. We can't turn to our Heavenly Father and say, hey God, would you forgive me? But yeah, I'm not really going to worry about that person over there. I'll, I'll deal with that later. 
It's an examination, not just a request. And Jesus continues, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And this right here, this right here looks like a request, but it's a confession. God, we need your help. We are prone to temptation, and that plays out in, differently in every one of our lives. But all of us, it, to some degree, have something that's, that's tempting us to, to cause us to do something we don't want to do. Would you help us avoid that temptation, to move around that temptation? We've all tried in our own strength and we've failed, but God, would you help us? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from that. God, I confess I can't do it on my own. I need your help. So throughout this prayer, Jesus is teaching us that, that the most important thing in our prayer is our posture. It's when we position ourselves before God. It's our, our perspective of ourselves and our perspective of God. The most important thing is our posture. It's not our words. So trying to find the right words aren't necessarily going to help. It's not the length of our prayers. It's not making sure that we have a lot of energy behind our prayers. Eloquence and formality, religiosity, and the tradition that we kind of put around it and wrap it in. Those things won't do. He's saying, no, it's your posture. It's the way you view God, the way you position yourself for God. And you may have things that you want to ask God for that, that I may have things that I want to ask God for, things, things that we want, things that we think we need. But the reality is what Jesus has just taught us about prayer will actually lead us to the very thing that we want most. Prayer, praying the way that Jesus taught us, prayer is an opportunity to direct your life towards God's will for you. And although we have many things in our lives that we want and many things in our lives that we think we need, the reality is at the end of the day, what we ultimately want is God's will for our lives. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not just in me, but all around me. It's your kingdom come, your will be done. He's, he's saying ultimately, hey, your is greater than mine. The heartbeat of Jesus' prayer is, God, yours is greater than mine. Your kingdom is greater than my kingdom. Your will, your desires, they're greater than any of mine. It's hard to say that sometimes because I, I don't fully believe it. But at the end of the day, God, I, I just want to open my hands on the things that I want and the things that I desire and the things that I feel like, like I have to have. And in prayer, I'm just gonna say, okay, God, I trust you. I'm dependent on you. I need you. And I want your will to be done in my life. You see, prayer, the way that Jesus lays it out to us, prayer is simply an opportunity to make room for what God wants to do in our lives. But in order to experience prayer the way that Jesus talked about it, we may have to remove some of that tradition. We may have to deal with, with some of our formality. We may have kind of locked into saying the same prayer over and over again. And, and, and honestly, we would just say, hey, I, I don't really feel any connection with God. I don't feel like it's really going well. We may have to get rid of some of the things that we memorize as a child. Maybe it's a tradition. Maybe it's formality. Maybe for some of us in, in the room today, it's apathy. We need to deal with our apathy when it comes to prayer. We tried praying in the past and it didn't really work out. And so we've just kind of become apathetic towards it. We don't really get excited about the idea. It sounds boring to us. But the apathy is preventing you potentially from experiencing what your heavenly father wants you to experience. And so to help us experience what Jesus taught us when he taught us to pray, I want to give us one simple step. Over the next week, just this week, over the next seven days, I want to challenge us to pray for yourself last. Pray for yourself last. You're going to pray and you're going to want to pray for yourself and there's going to be things you want to ask God for. There's going to be needs that you want to put before him. And so you can pray for yourself, but just do it last. Pray for yourself last. And if you get to a moment where you want to pray and you have nothing else to kind of put in front of your prayer, that may be a signal that you're not praying the way that Jesus taught us to pray. Pray for yourself last. And if you do that, 
If we can all do that, we'll make room for what God wants in our lives. Imagine what that would look like. Imagine if, that, if all of us just began to make room for God in our lives. What would that look like in our relationships? What would it look like in our families? If we were all willing to pray for ourselves last and say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. What if we all lived lives and prayed in such a way, you know what, God, are, are, are you gonna, I want you to kind of take control. I, I want you to have direction. I want you to have primacy in my life. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Mine will come last. God, I, I just wanna make room for you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for the opportunity to teach on such a, a complex subject as prayer. God, so many people struggle in this area. God, but it can be so deeply personal. Lord, but when we learn to acknowledge you first, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done. Let mine be last. God, I pray for all of us as we endeavor to make this, this relationship with you, this relationship with our Savior a bit more personal, that over the next week you would give us the courage to pray for ourselves last. God, to put ourselves last and say, no, Lord, we want you first. We don't want to treat you like some cosmic uh, uh, kind of slot machine in the sky that we just hope you kind of pour out some blessing when we ask for it. But no, we want to know you. We want to know what you want for us. We want to make room in our lives for you. And I pray that as we do, Lord, over this next seven days, as we challenge each other and, and take this experiment to pray for ourselves last, to make room for you, God, that we would know you more, that we would know your will for us more, that we would know what you want for us more. God, I pray for each of us that you would give us the courage to do it, the wisdom to know how, and that we would see that reward, Lord, that we would know you better. In Jesus' name I pray. Journey Church, I love you. There's nothing you can do about it. I hope you take this challenge. I hope you'll take the next seven days. And every time you pray, pray for yourself last. Listen to your prayer. Listen to the words. What are you asking for at first? What is it that you really want? Is it your list of needs and demands? Or is it what God ultimately wants for you? Take that challenge. Pray for yourself last. Make room in your life for what God wants to do. And I guarantee your relationship will feel much more personal. Have a great week. See you back here next time.